Welcome to episode 210 of the Apple Maps and App Addict Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of Apple Maps. Join us this week as Trevor and I battle an evil, evil overseer while deciphering clues and tracking down terrorists while filming a documentary about cats with special abilities. How you doing, Trevor? Doing good. It's once again sounds like a lot's going on. Uh, yeah, it's it never stops. It seems like there's always stuff to do. Yeah, and so before we get to like the real fun stuff, we'll start off with the news stuff, just because it's more interesting than it is fun. And so this week, Apple announced that they're going to now offer a 15% fee to developers who offer video services on the Apple TV. So previously it was 30%, just like all apps, Apple took a 30% cut. So for video services on the Apple TV, they're just going to take a 15% cut. And this is designed specifically to get these video providers connected with Apple's upcoming TV app for the Apple TV. And obviously it's geared towards Netflix and Amazon Prime, which we talked about when Apple first announced the TV app as ones who didn't join or weren't with the announcement, the keynote. So hopefully this indicates that maybe Apple's trying to work with them to get them on board. Right, yeah. So we've had these holdouts because no one wants to basically give up 30% of the revenues that would normally come in from subscribers to Apple. Like they want to do their subscriptions outside of Apple, but Apple won't let them on unless they do their subscriptions with them as well as an optional way to subscribe so this makes sense like apple has to give at some point because if you want to get all of these popular tv subscription services onto your device and have it be the one and only device someone needs then you have to give if the companies aren't going to give you can only strong arm so much and so i think this is an awesome move by apple i hope it does bring amazon and netflix i don't even understand why they're still a holdout because most people already have a netflix subscription so subscribing directly on the apple tv i don't necessarily foresee that happening as often as it's really going to make a difference, but I guess maybe it would bring some new subscribers, but anyways, this is a great deal. I think this is hopefully going to finally get those last stragglers on board and we'll see a full complement of services on the Apple TV. Especially because these companies already support iOS. You right, know? exactly. <laughs> it's not like, oh, Amazon's blocking all Apple devices. They don't use their services. It's just the Apple TV. And so Netflix doesn't even have their own box. So they are dependent on these providers. And it seems like the best wave on the Apple TV going forward is to be part of this TV app. Exactly, yes. And hopefully it is as good as we think it might be where now you basically do not have to think about what app you're going to use. You just kind of go to this one central location and you can now find anything across all of the services you subscribe to and don't have to dive into individual apps. And then part with Apple announcing this 15% drop, PlayStation View has now come to the Apple TV. So you can connect with that service you get 35 channels at their entry level price point or yeah that's what i think it is yeah i believe that's it yeah this is one of the most 
enticing looking options if you're like a cable cutter, a cord cutter, and don't want to subscribe to cable or one of these other things. Their channel lineup is really good. And in certain markets, you can actually get live TV channels with the the PlayStation View service. So if you're like in a, a metropolitan, like a city like New York or something, uh, you, this is way better than cable. Like the price and the channel offerings is really good. Now to have it on the Apple TV is excellent. Yeah, and this move might have impacted that. It's kind of coincidental that they, you know, were right at the same time. But even if it doesn't, it's still a benefit for Sony going forward. And I don't know if Sling TV is on the Apple TV. I know it's on Sling. iOS. Yeah, I don't know if it. I, I think it is. I'm pretty sure it's on the Apple TV. And so, yeah, yeah maybe sure that. that upcoming DirecTV offer, the DirecTV Now from AT&T will again come to the Apple TV and specifically the TV app. And one kind of other thing I've been wondering, will it connect to those library streaming apps? Like say you have Plex and you have your whole Plex library. Is it going to connect to the TV app? My guess is probably not because yeah. they want you to buy their their iTunes versions of the stuff. So I'm thinking they're still going to be out. But to me, that's a lesser thing because it's more the the apps with new programs, not stuff I already own, but other things that are out there that I want to just find that I've subscribed to. Yeah, I mean, I just want something where I won't be watching something next. Like, say I'm watching star wars rebels on plex and i'm on episode six or whatever that's kind of what i want to watch i don't want to true be going into netflix when they don't offer it or something yeah yeah especially because like there's limitations the disney xd app it offers the current season of star wars rebels but you can't go back and watch season one and season two and the same thing with the adult swim app when it comes to rick and morty so they kind of these apps you want to use them you have the cable login provider but you can't actually watch past episodes and catch up on seasons right and well i think that's where this this app the tv app is going to be great because that's kind of how my my tivo works at this point where it goes out and i can see exactly if I start scrolling through the different seasons, I can see exactly which services I could watch those uh, those seasons on. It shows me little icons for the different ones. So I know, oh, well, this one will either be on Hulu and Netflix or as you're scrolling down, you can see and it's based on what you actually subscribe to. So if I don't subscribe to Hulu, it's not going to pop up there. And I'm hoping that's how this TV app works as well, where you can easily see where it's getting the content from. I mean, you kind of want it to be seamless, but still I'm curious to know where it's getting it so you know if all of a sudden you cancel a subscription to a certain service, you're not going to lose access to certain shows. Exactly. And so that's uh, pretty interesting. The TV app isn't supposed to launch, I think, until December sometime. Yeah, I think it was December. And so we still have a little bit ways to go. And hopefully when it launches, these services are going to be up and ready to go using that new discount. Because as the consumer, you don't really care about what Amazon's paying Apple or how much Apple's making off any of this. You just want access to it. And that's the end game. Right, right. I mean, it affects you, but you don't really care because it's, it's not your money. Your money's already going to the place. Yep. And so that means it's time for some apps that are actually not on the Apple TV. And the first one is Addenborough Story of Life. And it's based on David Attenborough. He narrates Planet Earth. And so this has that direct connection. It's BBC-based app. And essentially, it's a series of clips 
narrated by David Attenborough that some are directly from planet Earth, but it seems like the app is more geared towards kind of the background of how they got into position to get those clips, the camera work they used, the positions that David Attenborough's in, and just kind of his journey to these places, because we've seen those final results. So this is more of the making of those final results. Yeah, it's really fascinating because, like you said, we've seen these these various nature specials that he's narrated, and some of them he's actually had a hand in producing and creating them. And for a guy who's 90 years old, he's been in this business for a long time, and there is a lot of interesting stuff that he's seen and done just as behind-the-scenes footage of all of these places he's gone to just to record all of this stuff. And so I found myself just sitting there watching these videos and one would end and I immediately started watching the next and you just get pulled right in because not only are they really well filmed because this is stuff that would production stuff that would go out onto BBC, but it's just interesting to see that behind the scenes look that you may not have gotten to see before just because it's always just the what's in front of the camera that you tend to see. And the actual like interface of the app is really well done. So say you click on one about the big animals of Africa, you're given a dial. And with that dial, you can scroll. It's like essentially a clock dial and you can scroll through it and you have breaks and that's where it will skip ahead. So say you don't want to watch the lion portion, you want to go straight to the rhino portion, you can go and then scroll to that clip and now you've skipped ahead and it helps you in case you want to resume where you were afterwards or you just want to focus on a particular segment of an overarching topic. Right, yeah, and there's like a thousand plus video clips in this thing. So there's so much stuff and if you just want to jump around, they do have them kind of segmented as certain little groupings and you can save your own little collection of them and just save them to a list and you could share that out with friends or you can just have for your own use. But it's a nice way to organize all of this content, which most of it, it looks like it's just streaming off of the internet somewhere. Uh, I know I've seen some of this stuff on YouTube before, uh, but it's nice to have this really clean interface into it where it kind of categorizes things and groups them together and has a way for you to bookmark what your favorites are if you want to jump back to them. And yeah, because these app, I mean, these videos are really great and just having them all in one place and then giving you that backdrop and then in a convenient app form, it just, it's kind of what you would want out of these nature special ideas, especially because planet earth two is going it's been announced and it's coming early 2017, I think. Right, yeah. Have you seen that video clip that came out of that baby iguana running in like epic Indiana Jones style away from the uh, the snakes that are trying to attack it? Yeah, and I think I'm most excited because it's going to be in 4K and I got the new 4K TV. So nice. One way to you know put it through its paces is plus some Planet Earth. Yep. And so that's Attenborough's Story of Life. It's free. It's universal, and that means it's time for some new games. And as usual, there's quite a bit. The first one is Neon Chrome. It comes from 10 tons, and it's a top-down dual-stick shooter that is more of an adventure game. It kind of reminded me of Xenoblast or Xeno... I forget what it's called. The one by... Yeah, I know what you're yeah. Yeah, talking about. I can't think Reckless of the name. Racer and all that. Yeah, yeah. And so it has that kind of idea where you're blasting various items and you have specific levels. It's not like a endless high-score challenge like Minigore or something. It's an adventure rather than an arcade game 
and that adventure is relatively lengthy. There's a lot of levels that include forking pathways and various enemy types, as well as all kinds of different pickups to improve your handling of all these different enemies. But the core idea is that top-down dual-stick shooter, and, you know, fashioning into an adventure game makes it compelling, you know, on the surface, but the actual game, it since it didn't go with that arcade form, you're kind of used to that amount of action, and it seems like the action's a lot more spread out. Yeah, it's because they've set it up kind of like a roguelike. So what happens is when the game starts up, you have a choice of these three characters you can choose from, and each of them has different traits. They start with a different starting weapon. You just choose one of them. The levels are are, are procedurally generated, so it always is kind of a little bit different as you come in of where the enemies are and what types of enemies are spawned there. And what you have to do is basically try to progress your way up this the the neon chrome is this tower. It's like a giant uh, corporate building and there's this evil overseer that you're trying to reach and basically kill him. And so what you're doing is you're battling your way through each of these levels, trying to reach a checkpoint. And every time you die, you start all over. So you have in-game like upgrades you can get along the way which help you to progress further and you collect currency which never goes away but then you can slowly upgrade your character to try to hopefully progress further and further the one thing i found is i am finding it tremendously difficult to progress further than the one spot i keep on dying at every single time and i can't quite figure out the upgrade system to be able to properly purchase things to be able to figure out a way to make it past that point. So that's what I found frustrating. But I, I know exactly what you mean with the where things kind of seem a little spread out. There'll be chunks where it's like intensely uh, action based. And then there'll be other spots where it's just a couple of guys here, a couple of guys there that you can just kill easily with no real thought. And that's kind of I mean, I died, but it felt like I could get better. I haven't gotten to the point where I keep dying at the same place as you, but I can see the frustration on that end. And just that infinite nature of it where you need to keep getting these upgrades, that roguelike setup, I don't know if it fits the top-down dual-stick shooter just because it seems like a lot of it can blend together. Even though, I mean, there's the variation of the enemies and the level layouts, it still kind of feels samey just when it terms of the pacing of the dual-stick shooter action. Yeah, I definitely see that. I don't mind the dual. I actually kind of like the dual stick in a roguelike. I, I think it uh, it makes for an easy combat system. But I feel like there's long stretches where I have to redo. Long, like it's normally in like a roguelike, you're you're. It doesn't feel like you have to redo the long stretches over and over again. It feels more like you're progressing these much shorter levels one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. Where this, it's a big open area that you have to navigate through to reach the next segment because it's all divided up into these certain like sub levels and then you'll hit a level where if you can beat the boss, then now you have a checkpoint. And that's where I'm at like this boss level that I cannot beat this boss no matter what I do to unlock a checkpoint to have a new starting point. And I think that's, it just seems like a lot of work to get back up to the checkpoints, which I think that's what makes it a little more frustrating than some of the other roguelikes I've played. And, I mean, I wish that, like, when you see the game, you hear about it, it's on Steam, it's like 10 bucks. you're expecting this super deluxe game, and you dive into it, and 
right off the bat, it kind of felt like other games on iOS, just with slight variations like the roguelike aspect. I, I can understand that you can get over 100 hours of gameplay from it. I just don't know if you want to get 100 hours of gameplay from it. Yeah, I think it's going to be divisive. I think you're going to have people that are going to absolutely love it, dive into it wholeheartedly. I'm kind of at the point where I've played it for quite a few hours now. I'm just at the point where I'm frustrated with the game that I don't know if I want to continue. But I think it's going to really depend on each person that plays it. The problem is it is a $5 game to dive in, and that's a launch special launch price of 50% off to dive in and see if you're going to like it. Uh, versus something that's like a free-to-play model where you would dive in, try it, and then decide if you like it. So I, I'm all for the premium games, but I think this could be one where someone buys it and then whether or not whether or not they want to continue playing for 100 hours is kind of up in the air. And the game was Xenowork. That's the one I was thinking of. Oh, that's right. Yes. And yeah. I can't help but compare that game because that one, it gave you top-down, but it kind of tilted the camera... So it wasn't 90 degrees, it was like maybe 60 degrees. And so you had more of an in-your-face experience as monsters are charging you and you just felt more immersed in the combat setup. I mean, it's a whole adventure game and each one has a different area. But then you had an actual conclusion and it seemed like you were more into the flow and the game, especially because the action was at a higher pace. And even the graphics seemed kind of better. I think it's because you're so far zoomed out in Neon Chrome, you never can truly appreciate the detail of the enemies. But it never seemed as intense or as immersive as it could have been. Yeah, I completely agree. Especially the zoom out is that was one of my first thoughts when I when I saw it. I'm like, wish I could be a little more close to the action. I understand why they do it because you kind of, especially when you get into like this big boss battle, you kind of need to see things coming a bit further away. But I wish I could zoom in a little more, see these characters a little bit closer, see these various creatures that have created. Where the Xena work, I Xena work, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, that I definitely enjoyed more than I than I believe I enjoyed this one. Um, I, I hands down, I definitely agree. And so this is Neon Chrome. It's four ninety nine. It's Universal, and like you said, that's a launch special. And then there's Replica. In this game, it takes on the idea that the NSA is watching everything you do, and it mixes it in with Homeland Security of stopping terrorism. And you're given the task to lock into this kid's phone to find out if he has any terrorist connections or any thoughts of revolution or any of that kind of stuff. And so it's a puzzle adventure game, and you're going to have to find out everything that Homeland Security wants from you by accessing this phone. So you start out, you need to figure the passcode, just get in the phone. And then once you do, you have the access to the apps, and you're going to want to go through the contacts and the photos and their Facebook page and all these different things to figure out their thoughts and any information that could be used to help nail this kid to the wall, essentially, for his terrorist inklings, connections, thoughts, anything like that. Yeah, so I just started playing this shortly before we started recording, so I haven't gotten too far into the game, but... Holy cow, is this immersive. So you just you start playing and it feels like your phone is this phone in the game. And like you said, the first task you have to do is try to figure out how to even unlock it. You have the little unlock button and ask for the passcode and you got to figure this out. And so it takes a little bit of time and then 
things start giving you clues to what it could be and you then you get in and then it feels like a phone interface and you start playing through the game so this actually is another pc port coming to mobile and i can't imagine playing this on a pc and it being as immersive as it is on the phone where it feels like you are using this phone that's in the game and navigating it like you would any other mobile phone and they just i mean grant i'm only about a half an hour in but this is i'm really impressed so far with just how the whole game interacts with the player and makes you feel like you're part of the game yeah i was to the point that i would press the home button on my my phone to exit apps <laughs> rather than the button on the screen and as i kept yeah. messing that up <laughs> And so it turns out there's multiple endings to the game. I've only reached one ending. It was ending number four. And so you can go back and replay to find out the other endings. As you're playing the game, there's a lot of challenge in figuring out the clues that go into unlocking the device and all that it holds. And after you play it once and you figure out that clues or those clues, it doesn't it doesn't feel the same. You can go find that other ending, but it's the same passcode to unlock the phone. It's the same password to unlock the Facebook page and the private photo albums. So you're kind of going through the motions there and maybe changing your decisions here and trying to find different pieces or maybe going against that Homeland Security guy who is telling you what to do. But you still have those... The puzzles kind of get lost because after that first time, you know them all and they don't change that up. Yeah. Now, how long do you remember how long roughly it took you to play through the first time? It's a relatively short game. It took me less than an hour. Okay. okay. And that was like stumbling and bumbling my way through and not figuring out anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's only two bucks. It's more kind of like a social commentary. There's that whole aspect to it, and you have that whole deluxe story because you get to read the text messages and it fully fleshes out the person's that whose phone you're looking through so you have that night story idea but the puzzle adventure gameplay like i said is under an hour and there's not the most incentive to replay right right yeah so this is like a you're pretty much going to play through it once but i i know just from my very short experience i had thus far i'm excited to go through and play through it at least once and and see how how this all unfolds it's a really neat idea to use the phone and all those different kind of familiar things that you're used to opening up, but now you have to do it in a whole different perspective than opening up your own Facebook profile, actually trying to log into somebody else's and find out what their thought process is. Yeah, or using your own home button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that's amazing, or that's Replica. It's $1.99, it's universal. And then there's Super Cattails. And at first glance, the actual level layout screen, it looks like Super Mario World. So I'm like, okay, cool. We got a classic retro-inspired platformer, but it's going to use a cat instead of Mario. So you dive into the game, and it's like, this isn't quite what I expected, but I want to hold that against it. And so you start getting into it, and you get to play as this cute little cat, and you are crash-landed onto this island, and you need to kind of figure your way out. But they've reduced the controls to being able to either move left and right, or you can double tap to then dash in left or right directions. And everything's built on that. So if you're running into a wall, 
you can then jump onto it and then you tap both sides to do wall jumps. So you have those familiar aspects, but it's all reduced down to either tapping left or right. So it's a one step above like a one touch platformer, like we talked about Mikey Jumps last week. So they built one kind of increment above that, but it's not like a full on platformer game. No, in fact, those controls were they're supposed to be simple. That's probably my biggest irk with this game. Like I, I enjoy the actual game because what there are is you start with a single cat and then eventually you're trying to find your friends. And as you find them, you unlock up to a total of six different cats. And each cat kind of has a special ability. Like one can break through rocks. One can swim in water when there's currents kind of blowing against you. And so you have to switch up and use, there are certain little platforms to come across and you will switch up and use a different cat. And so in this next segment of the level, you'll be that cat and then be able to navigate to maybe an area you couldn't previously get to or uh, just solve the whole and get all of the items you need to get for that particular level. And that part I really enjoyed. Like I thought it was kind of interesting. I thought the level design wasn't too bad, but the controls kind of mucked things up where you couldn't quite, at least I couldn't quite get it to respond exactly the way I wanted maybe the first time. So then I would end up running into enemies. And if you run into two enemies, too quickly then you die the one thing i kind of missed was i wish there was a jump like i you only can move left and right and i felt like i need a jump the only way to jump was to run off of a, a platform in a certain direction and then you would leap off that platform there was no distinct like swipe up to jump i think that's just like the one thing it was sort of missing for me because then the controls felt kind of wonky when you're going trying to go between the wall climbing and the running and the just normal walking left and right. You kind of had to do weird things with your taps to get it to do just what you wanted it to. I definitely agree. I found multiple times where you'd like you're just kind of going and you want to make it across the gap, but you kind of fall into that gap. Like early going, there's like things underneath you but you just want to jump over it because the one th trouble i mostly had was activating that dash where you could really get a yes. jump going because you have to double tap and it kind of throws you out you have to deliberately think about it and it's not as natural in the flow of the game when you're going back and forward you want to just run over to this area but then you're like oh wait i got a double tap and it's just not as intuitive as it needs to be especially once things ramp up like early when they're explaining the game okay but then once you have very specific objectives you need to complete with those different cats that are introduced it's there's like numerous times you're just slowed down in the game and you have to repeat the process just to activate that double tap again Right. And when, then the other area where it happens is when you're swimming. If you're underwater, you tap to kind of like go up in the air in the swimming, which is like sort of, I guess, a jump. But it was so imprecise that there'd be times where I was trying to collect just a single coin and I couldn't figure out how to line this guy up to have him go jump up to hit the coin in the water just where I need them to go. And I end up like wasting so much time trying to go back and forth, back and forth to time these like jumps to hit things. And, or I guess they're not really jumps, but under the water. And that's, it just ended up taking you out of the experience and you end up fighting with the controls rather than having just be kind of a natural thing as you're playing through the game. 
and it has such that classic idea you want to enjoy this the just the retro pixel art plus the level select and then the way the worlds change you're into that whole super mario idea and then you're just taken out of it with all these kind of annoyances with the controls i mean just put in the classic virtual buttons like you know right, super yeah. phantom cat does a really good job of kind of remaking super mario brothers 3 and it has a cat but they use just virtual controls on the screen they don't try to give you this weird left right double tap system yeah i'm trying this is the same developer who, d who did uh drop wizard and i'm trying to remember what they had for controls on that i almost thought that had Maybe that didn't have left and right arrows. Maybe that was just tapping on the left and right screen to change your direction. But, I mean, I really enjoyed Drop Wizard. This one, it's just if they could find a way to fix the controls. Like I said, the level design was neat in the fact that you, once you unlocked additional cats, you could kind of go back and redo portions of levels you went through to get items you, you missed or couldn't get because you didn't have the right cat yet. And so that's Super Cat Tales. It's free. It's universal. So you can give it a try to see if the controls don't offend you like they did us. <laughs> or just kind of distract from the overall experience. Yep. And then finally, there's Unworded, which is an interesting game because at first glance, you're like, okay, this is a word-based puzzle game just based on the name. But in fact, you actually use letters in this kind of tangram puzzle experience where you combine the letters to create shapes and as you're making those shapes they deal with an actual narrative and the narrative will give you hints as to what shape you're going you're going to need to make like you'll be given like five different letters and then those letters are going to need to make a watering can to help an apple tree grow and you kind of build it so there's these chapter books and each book has one narrative that will complete and you'll get different shape-based or letter-based puzzles that you're going to need to figure out to complete a chapter yeah so the whole thing revolves around this this guy this writer who's been in an accident and now he's being read these tales to by to him by his wife and you're kind of like in his head and so as the narrative unfolds you have to kind of listen to the narrative to try to get a clue of what you're supposed to be turning these letters into. And it's a matter of just dragging these various typeface letters around so that they form some sort of object, like you said, the watering can. And so you have to use not only just like looking at these things and trying to figure out what they could possibly form, you have to pay attention to the text and because it's going to give you the clue of this is the object that is missing that's going to continue this tale to then progress the story further. And I just thought that was really interesting because it reminds they remind me the Tangram is a good a good example, but kind of those what's it puzzles uh, that that used to be in like the newspaper where you have like these the way that the letters are kind of jumbled together kind of tells you some other some other phrase or instance where in this case the words are telling you what you need to combine the letters into and so it's like really just twisting around the words and thinking about what is being said there to try to figure out this puzzle and you'll just kind of Maybe on some of them, they're kind of difficult, and you just start dragging things around and see what maybe it might be. But then you always have to go back to that text that gives you that hint, that gives you the aha, like, oh, yes, that's what I need to do. That's what I need to create. And it's great that there's kind of that overarching storyline. So each chapter kind of immerses you 
where you'll want to complete it to figure out this individual story. But then, like you said, there's that overarching idea of a writer and he's in the hospital and you want to see the culmination of these different life events add up into the final picture. And you do it just by solving these each individual puzzle as you go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, this one was really like a big surprise to me that came out of like nowhere. And I'm I'm hoping it, it gets some good attention on the App Store. Yeah, this is probably my favorite of the week of the ones we've gone through. The replica was interesting. It went by quick. Unworded seems like it's going to last longer. Yeah, I think they uh, they say roughly two to four hours is what it should take you to go through this one. Yeah. And so that's Unworded. It's three ninety nine, and it's universal. And I think that's everything for episode 210. Yeah, that's all I got. Just check the App Store next week because it's going to be sale-a-palooza with all of the app prices dropping for Black Friday. So definitely want to keep an eye out for those if you have stuff on your wish list. Yeah, Black Friday isn't just for physical goods. It's for digital goods. And hopefully you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And everyone, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later. Thank you.